What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead NFL draft writer at BR, and joining me every Wednesday from the beautiful city of Manhattan is Connor Rogers. And we're only a couple days away from being able to pound some beers and talk football in the same room, man. It's going to be great. That's right, buddy. Combine week is finally here, and I couldn't be more excited because you, me, and Mello are all going to be in Indy, and we have a pretty big event on Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night, 6.30. Uh, so that's March 3rd at 6.30. Uh, you can come hang out with us at Two Deep Brewing Co. in Indy. They have been so awesome. Uh, everyone who comes to hang out with us, you get two free beers. You, you really can't beat that. That's two free beers. We have some stuff we're going to give away. Uh, some Madden backpacks, some hats, some koozies, some stickers, maybe some more stuff, uh, just depending on what I collect throughout the week. But it's going to be Same a lot here. of fun. <laughs> yeah, we can record the podcast. You guys can hang out with us. But we have a fun show for you today that you're hearing as Combine Week kind of kicks off. We're going to go around the league and talk about some of these, the Marcus Peters trade, the Vikings quarterback situation. Uh, and then we're also going to give you our Combine preview, kind of an obscure one, not the one that you've probably uh, heard elsewhere around the league. We have Miami running back Mark Walton Connor. Got a chance to interview him last week. I'm excited to actually hear that because I haven't heard it yet. And then we'll close it off like we always do with some draft on draft. But dude, let's start off with Marcus Peters because this we're recording Monday afternoon because of my travel schedule and the details came out today. Marcus Peters and a sixth round pick go to the Rams, a fourth round pick in 2018 and a second round pick in 2019 come back to Kansas city. I'm a, I'm a Missouri guy. I, I, I claim Kansas city. That's my, one of my favorite places in the entire world, but I'm not a chiefs fan. So I look at this as a local who's not attached to it. I think the chiefs got good value in return for a guy who was never going to resign with them and has been a bit of a problem in and off the field. I think that's what you have to emphasize here. I've actually grown, I'm not going to lie, and I know you feel the same way. I've grown a little frustrated watching the reactions on Twitter by a lot of people that kind of come off as know-it-alls in the situation saying the Chiefs got fleece. How could you give away a top corner for this? How could you do that? You just don't know what's going on there, right. and you had right. to get value now. Uh, that's the, a great point. And this isn't to be like, oh, we are insiders. We know everything. But people don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And Peters is, I've said it, I, he's on track to be a Hall of Famer. He, he's a phenomenal player. His three years have been as good as any three years for a, a first three years for a corner ever. He is a damn good player. He's also a problem. I, like I said, I'm from here. My Facebook, when he kneeled for the anthem, was cut his ass. And now they're mad that they traded him? So it's like people need to pick which side they're going to take. And, and a lot of folks don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Here's what I'll say about the value. I, I talked to some sources this morning. There was one team that was really in on this, and that was the Rams. Colts didn't want him, and, and that's Chris Ballard's guy. Browns weren't serious about it. John Dorsey was the GM who drafted Marcus Peters. It, no one, your Jets didn't want him. My 49ers didn't want him. There's a reason that only one team was in on this guy. So I, I think that it's always hard when a good player gets traded because you get attached to it. But looking at Peters on and off field, you're going to have to give him a contract in a year or two. It, it's just, it, I, I actually think that the Chiefs got a good deal. And I'm, as you know, listeners know, uh, we're not afraid to call out the Chiefs. We've done it. Mellow shits on the Pat Mahomes trade every chance he gets. And you've been critical of moves that they've made. I've been critical, but I actually think this is a really smart move for that front office. No doubt. I just find it really interesting. A guy that's, he's been there for a couple of years now, right? 
He's 25 years old. He's obviously entering his prime. And like you said, Matt, eventually he's going to have to be paid. It just, I trust enough to know that the Chiefs knew what they had there. And you know what I really like? This is the the really underrated thing of all of this. The value they got now in getting Kendall Fuller in that trade when they dealt Alex Smith is so important because you bring in a very good young corner that's a high character player that yep. gives you some insurance at the position. Now, I, me and you loved Marcus Peters more than anyone in that draft class, but the bottom line here is that he was not a part of the Chiefs' future, and the Rams went out and got him. Now, I do, I am very excited to see how he plays in that Rams defense because that is the up and coming team in the NFC. Right. So, on the other side of it, for the Rams, you gave up a two and a four and got an all pro corner who's 25 wants to be in California and you probably have a better structure for him with a young head coach. You're not in an ultra Republican part of the country. I think that wore down Marcus Peters. I, no one has told me that, but I think it's an easy connection to make. He's going to go somewhere where he's probably a lot more comfortable. And they do have now one of the best defenses in the NFL on paper because you got Aaron Donald and Marcus Peters and Alec Ogletree and Robert Quinn and, and a great coordinator in Wade Phillips. So that's, that's where we're at with the Marcus Peters trade. Another big deal that happened was Blake Bortles contract. I know that this made some headlines and that's just because it's a slow time of year. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It basically told us what we already knew that they're committed to him for 2018. And that's about it. After that, it's a low guarantee. They can move on if they want, but it protects the Jaguars because he did play well this year and he took them to an AFC title game and you you can't let that guy walk and this allows them to have a a low cost test drive with Bortles to see if this year was the real deal if he had really turned the corner or if they're in the market for a quarterback again next year. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. It's a way to get his cap number down right now, correct? I mean, it gets the yeah, number down a little bit here. It puts some guarantees into the following year, which is a little frustrating for me. But I do like that if you're Jacksonville, you kind of knew you weren't going to be in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, something we are going to touch on before we preview the combine. And you had to know that you still can get your quarterback of the future if you don't fully believe in the progress Bortles makes in the next year, depending on what that progress is. So uh, I understand it in a sense. I I definitely don't love it because I'm not a Blake Bortles fan, but I do think Jacksonville was in a situation where they didn't want to risk going into the market and looking for taking a chance on Teddy Bridgewater or making this move for Tyrod Taylor or comfortable picking in the back end of the first round to get their guy where they don't really know who will fall if anyone. So it's a safer kind of deal. Um, It has a low amount of upside, but the good thing is it doesn't screw you for the long haul. Exactly. And that's what they needed. And you mentioned there, Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are a team that they've been connected to Kirk Cousins. Uh, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network reported this morning, Monday morning, they are not going to tag Case Keenum. He's going to become a free agent. We're still waiting to hear if Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent. That whole uh, grievance being filed that maybe he should be a free agent. Maybe he shouldn't be, depending on when he was healthy this year. But the Vikings quarterback situation is one to watch. But that's another team picking late in round one. It's very, very unlikely a starting caliber quarterback is going to fall to them. So they're in a spot where they they have to make some moves. They got to figure out this quarterback position. I mean, listen, I, I this might sound crazy. And I know it's weird. People are like, well, they weren't expected to tag Case Keenum, right? But right. to me, it's still interesting that 
they have not gotten a deal done with Case Keenum, whether it was during the season, whether it was now since the season has ended. This kind of signals to me that the Vikings are prepared to enter the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. And I am willing to call them the front runner because this is a guy that wants to win. This is a team that can front load the deal and figure out the financials. I think now competing against the Jets will not be easy because they almost have unlimited when it comes to what they can offer Kirk Cousins. But that roster and the offense that they're working with, Minnesota seems like the best mutual destination for him. Yeah, right now they're projected to have about 49 million in cap space. The Vikings are so they can't they can't give him 60 million. Like the Jets can over the first two years or whatever the the, the numbers yeah. have been leaked out <laughs> yeah. there. But if it's true that Cousins wants to go somewhere where he can win right away, you have to think the Vikings are. They were a Super Bowl contender with Case Keenum. So you have to think they're probably a Super Bowl contender with Cousins and getting Dalvin Cook back and it, everyone else just you know, taking that next step forward. So it's that I, I'm surprised to hear you come out and say they're the front runner, but I kind of love it just because. Well, because, yeah. <laughs> I, the odds because, say it's the Jets. So exactly, we talked about the Vegas odds, and I I was saying Jets. It was sixty forty Jets Broncos all along, but that was kind of with the assumption that the Vikings will find a way to hold on to Keenum for another year and keep put you know kind of kicking the can down the road essentially in terms of getting their long term starter, but getting a guy they know they've already won with at a lower cap hit because the key with the Vikings is if you look, they got to sign a lot. They got to extend a lot of guys in about a year or two years from now guys that they would like to keep but listen I they can get this done financially right now and figure out a way to front load some of the money to find a way to get cousins in Minnesota where if you're looking at it from both sides it's the destination that makes the most sense for each side yeah it it really does all right let's do some combine talk man because we do have it's like 335 kids. Uh, we're, we're obviously not not going to talk about all of them, but we wanted to go down this this list like Mello and I did when it was uh, Senior Bowl time and talk about one guy per position that we really want to watch. You know, someone that that excites us uh, as a, a prospect. So for me, quarterback, I'm going Kyle Lilletta from Richmond, a dude that came out of nowhere and had a good Senior Bowl week. And now I think the hype might be a little out of control. Like I've heard people talking second round. So I I want to see another chance to see him in an uncomfortable environment. Uh, and he won't be throwing against anyone. So we won't get to see that. But just seeing him one more time to see what's actually there, uh, I think will really help with the evaluation process. And like we said, this is kind of a time for us to unveil different lists. Guys that, you know, we either think are going to fly during it. Guys that we think it can cool. I went with Lamar Jackson at quarterback because his hype has been all over the place. If you go on Twitter, he's QB one front and center. If you talk to anyone in the NFL, he's about QB five kind of range, QB five, QB six. I think this is the time where Lamar Jackson cements himself into the back end of round one. I think he measures bigger than people think. I think he's six foot two. I think he'll weigh in around 215 pounds. That's what Jared Goff weighed in at the combine. To put it in perspective, guys like Watson and Mariota have been between like 218, 221. So I think he does get the weight up. I think he obviously runs very well. But more importantly, I think he does throw very well. And I think it's one of those things where this is a player that a lot of teams are saying, hey, he's a nice day to project at quarterback. And I think it'll also his his demand will push up where it's like, okay, let's get this guy in the back end of round one because he might be gone at the top of round two. So let's go get our guy. I really like Lamar Jackson's chances at the combine to shoot his stock up. 
And see, I'm worried about it because, uh, you know, it's been reported and it's I, I talked to some people last week. It's verified. He has not hired an agent. He's letting his mom handle it. And I know a lot of people will say, who cares? His his mom, if she, you know, maybe she's a lawyer, she can handle the contract. She's not a quarterback's coach and she's never prepped anyone for the combine before. And she's never prepped anyone for a pro day before. So I'm worried about Lamar Jackson if he's going to show up ready to go. And not, he's fast. He's going to run fast. Is he going to show up ready to handle those 15-minute interviews where teams are going to grill him? They're going to want to hear him talk like a quarterback. What does he understand about blocking schemes, coverages? What's he been asked to do mentally? And just being able to articulate that can be very hard, especially in a high-pressure situation. So these guys, you know, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph and Luke Falk, they have all been working since December or whenever their bowl game was for this moment. They've been cramming for it. They've been working on mechanics. They've been running a script of all the things they're going to do at the combine. I don't know if Lamar Jackson has. It's, no one has told me who his quarterback's coach is, and those guys are usually begging us for publicity. So I'm on the other side of it. I'm worried about him, but it makes him an intriguing guy to watch. Uh, let's roll to, to running back. And I actually I forgot that Mark Walton was on this week, and I picked Mark Walton. I just want to see him healthy. Uh, he got hurt midseason. I really like him as a running back prospect. You know, he's a little undersized, but he can catch well. He's fast. I think he is a, a very exciting change of pace guy that you have to start thinking about maybe round three and with a good combine, maybe late round two. But I would put him in there in that next cluster of guys, you know, with like carry on Johnson kind of after the, you know, the big ones like Barkley and Geis and, and Rojo and Sonny Michelle. Yeah, I like Walton a lot, too. And I, I think this is so interesting because we are going through a list of guys that we're intrigued by. We The spectrum is so wide. Like Jackson, I said, I think this is a chance for him to blow his stock up. And you were like, I'm a little worried. So there's a lot of guys like that on this list. When you look mm -hmm. at Walton, he's so interesting because obviously we got to talk to him coming up on this show. He's a player that the hype coming out of high school after playing so well for Booker T. Washington in the Miami area was so high and he chose to stay home to rebuild the hurricanes program because that program meant a lot to him. So I think he's a high character player. I think that he's a very versatile player. And I think that if he shows he's a above average athlete at the combine, you do find yourself to be a day two lock instead of being a day three kind of player. I went with speaking of day three, late day two kind of players I went with Naheem Hines out of NC state. It's a track guy. We always kind of talk about the track guys at the running back position each year because you know they're going to run well. They should test well. Hines has big playability written all over him. I don't think he's an every down kind of back at the next level, but I think if you're talking about taking a guy like him in round four that can hit the home run and be a change of pace guy, I think he's going to show a lot of that ability at the combine. Yeah, I like him a lot. He is super fast. He got a wide receiver. So a wide receiver, I went with the guy that we have not talked about since the summer, and that's Antonio Callaway. I mean, listen, we, we watched the film from 2016 and said, this guy is Percy Harvin all over again, explosive shot out of a cannon. And then he's had so many off-field problems that he didn't even get to play this year. So when you look at him, like Matt, where'd you have him ranked? You know, obviously not to the exact oh, point. Yeah. But no, on the, on the summer rankings, I said he could be wide receiver one. That's what I was going to ask. We we talked about him in that wide receiver preview. We loved this guy's ability on the field. So I don't want to say he's lucky, but he's lucky he got an NFL combine invite because this is his yeah. last chance to show. And guess what? This is where he shines because he can test off the charts here. And I think he gets himself back to draftable status after just a disappointing all around year for him.
So say, man, are we going to do Boom Roasted on the Wednesday show? Yeah, oh, but I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, mine's Cortland Sutton, a guy that I want to see him test. Uh, big wide yep. receiver from SMU. Uh, decided not to do the senior bowl. I want to see him run. I, I, I think he's a very good player. Uh, but as we've seen with so many of these big wide receivers like Laquan Treadwell, you know, guys just who can't get on the field. I want to see who Sutton is. Is he Alshon Jeffrey or is he Michael Thomas or is he someone more like Treadwell who's going to have trouble separating uh, my tight end? I want Mark Andrews and similar thing here. A guy that how well does he move? I, I saw him in person and I really enjoyed watching him play. It seemed like he was always open, but then you, you come home and watch the tape and it's like, gosh, can this guy actually move? He looks a little stiff. He doesn't seem to have the explosive, you know, moves of a guy like Mike Gusecki or, Definitely not of Dallas Goddard or Hayden Hurst. So where is he going to fall in this tight end group, which that I like quite a bit? I think Mark Andrews has that room to to move up. There, you know, there are questions about it. He's not a very good blocker. Can he play in line? And if you have athleticism questions on top of that, it could push him down to day three. So it's it's a pretty important couple of days for Mark Andrews. Yeah, it certainly is in a tight end class that's really wide open right now. Going back to Sutton. You know, I'd said during the senior bowl, I heard he's expected to run between four, five, four, five, two range. I think if he can get to that number, that would be really big for him and push him yeah. into the first round. But he's build up speed. Listen, I don't, I don't know if he gets to that number because if he does, it's huge for him. It's as simple as that, because then the upside is worth taking a chance on in the back end of round one. Looking at the tight end position, though, Hayden Hurst is a guy that I think can show he's the best weapon of this group because he's an athlete. Now he's a little bit older. He'll be one of those 25 year old rookies. He did try playing baseball before football, but you know, was a team captain early in his career when he did move on to football. So I think he's a guy that's just going to interview well. And I think he'll run really well. And I think he'll show he can be one of those tight ends that could work the seam. And those guys are so valuable in this, in this era now. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by him too. 25, and I just want to talk baseball with him. I'm it's nice outside. It's like 60 today. The sun's shining. I'm in baseball mode, so I'm cool. We got spring training on at every TV in the office. It is the best. It is here too. Uh, offensive ta- offensive line. Uh, we we narrowed it or did not narrow it down. Uh, I'm gonna go Connor Williams from Texas, and a guy we've had on the podcast, a player that everyone knows. I really like. Arm length is going to be important for him this week. It really is. And it, it seems like such a minor thing. But if he comes in with short arms, the talk of moving him to guard is going to heat up. And he's very athletic. I, he's never played guard, but I actually think he could handle it well and be a very good player there. But there is going to be a spotlight on him when it comes time to measure. And then also just in the drills. He's a dude who was hurt a lot this year. And I think when that happens, it, it puts a little more emphasis on things like the combine, especially for an underclassman just to kind of see, okay, let's see how well this guy moves. Let's look at his technique and and figure out where the best spot for him is. Yeah, and I would also say he's probably the most impressive interview we've had so far, right, Matt? Yeah, he really honestly was. I mean, just as far as like kind of getting it, Alvin Kamara was probably the best interview we've had just because he was crazy. But uh, Connor was probably the best one where it, you know, you really felt like, you know, it's just a different kind of guy. He's accountable, but yeah. So now this guy is not a guy I'm predicting to be a winner or a loser, but a guy that's got a lot riding on the line, like Antonio Callaway, Desmond Harrison, you and I talk about him seems like every other week. And you know, he was apparently way underweight playing around what 280. He's got to hit the 300 yeah. mark. He's a great athlete, but he has to answer for the off field problems that force him to leave Texas. So he's a guy that has to interview. Well, he has to show that, yeah, you might be a great athlete, but you better be the size of an NFL offensive lineman while testing that way. So a lot riding on the line for Desmond Harrison in this offensive line class. 
Yeah, and not only, like you said, the testing, but those interviews are going to be huge for him because, yeah, you got kicked out of Texas, and then I believe he took a year off of football and then and then ended up at West Georgia. So he's a little bit of an older dude as well, and there are going to be a lot of questions about you know baggage and off-field that, that's going to come along with that. All right, D-line, I'm going to go Andrew Brown from Virginia, and the reason I, I picked him is because he's the player where I feel like I'm way different than a lot of the – you know, other evaluators on Twitter. I, I've had conversations with people who have said late first, early second for him. Ooh, I have yeah, him on. Rich. I know. I have him on day three. And I, I think it's a matter of, I didn't like the film, but I did like him at the senior bowl. So let's one more chance to see who this dude really is. I didn't think he was very athletic on tape. I thought he was heavy footed and stiff. If that's the case, it'll show up real fast this week when he starts moving through some of those drills. So it, he's kind of one of those guys that I've I've put an asterisk by and said, Okay, I might be really low on him, and these are the reasons why I don't like him. Let's go back and, and see if they're really there. Yeah, so with this one, I went with the guy that we've talked about, his ups and downs, and that's Taven Bryan from Florida. Uh, just a guy that his flash plays scream top 15 pick tape. The rest mm-hmm. of it, team screams day three kind of guy, just inconsistent, but such a good athlete. When you look at the combine, you're kind of looking for these guys that, guess what, game by game, not the best tape. Play-by-play, play, you find some amazing plays, but they test so well. Taven Bryan is a guy for me, not a first-round player, but the ceiling really is a Sheldon Richardson-level player. Now, he probably will go in the second round because of that. I think he tests really well, and I'm looking at our rundown right now. I think you got another guy for your edge pick. Like that. Oh, oh yes, Josh Sweat from FSU. Yeah. He's going to blow the doors off this place, but... He has major, major health and injury history concerns that are going to have to get checked out. So, and again, a guy that if you're doing the like the thread on Twitter, if you're threading highlights of a player and, and breaking them down, I could find you 15 Josh Sweat plays that make him look like a top 10 pick. They're out there because he's a freak athletically. But I could probably find you 75 that say he's a day three player, you know, in the in the same span. So he's intriguing because of his athleticism, but there he's one, he's going to have to pass the physical. It wouldn't surprise me if we hear, you know, coming after the fact of, ah, this is a guy who, you know, we worry about how well he's going to hold up long-term. If anything's, you know, degenerative, if it's, if he's just going to break down, but you know, for a 20, he's 20 years old, six, five, two fifty, And he does looks just amazing at times. Yeah, no doubt. I think, you know, it was interesting when I started watching him. I became a little frustrated when he'd be like off the field. They have so much talent, FSU, young talent, especially in the defensive line year after year. But it's like this is a guy you want to go kind of be your dog on the field, a guy that you unleash snap after snap. And I think it's just frustrating that he has had so many injury injury problems in the past where you don't know if you can rely on him to be that. But his good is great. And I think the combine will be one of those great moments for him. Another guy that I think Twitter is a little higher on than the NFL, but I do like this player is Hercules Mata'afa from Washington State. I think he's a guy that he was used on the interior a lot in college. I think he could flourish a little bit off the edge. I think he's an explosive pass rusher. So when you're looking at this edge group, we've talked about players like Arden Key and Marcus Davenport, guys that have a lot to gain or a lot to lose. But I think Mata'afa is another guy that can really solidify himself as a second-round player or start to really creep towards the back end of round three, depending how he tests. Yeah, I don't know. He's a defensive tackle built like an edge. So everything's a projection at this point. We definitely have a lot of lots to figure out with him at linebacker. I went Malik Jefferson, another guy we've had on the podcast before, and I didn't do that on purpose. But three of my guys are are players we've had on the podcast. I want to see him athletically. And Mello and I were talking about this yesterday on a a little bit of a road trip uh, that 
he is built for the combine. And if if we look at guys like Mata Afa and if we look at guys like, you know, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or whomever and say, there's so many great traits. Why don't you just let them, why don't you just put them in a situation to win and do great things? That's how we both view Malik Jefferson. Okay, he had slow instincts playing middle linebacker. Don't ask him to play middle linebacker. He's big enough yep. to rush off the edge. He was Texas's most productive pass rusher. He's going to time. I think he'll time in the low four fours at 245 pounds. Why not just let him be an edge player? Why not just, or, or a weak side linebacker? Why not just put him in situations where his athleticism can be great for you? Um, that's, that's what I, that's why I'm excited because I think he's going to back up some of the high grades that we've had on him. Uh, and we can say, okay, this kid's just a fucking athlete. Let's just let him go play ball. That's exactly it. It's a guy that when you look at him playing Mike, I always relay it to the Jets playing Darren Lee at Mike. And it's like, why do you have this guy that's built like a money yeah. linebacker or a weak side linebacker or a guy that can rush off the edge on third downs? Why do you put him in the middle where he's got to work through so much traffic, a guy that does not take on contact very well, but a guy that plays better sideline to sideline? And I think that will be Malik at the next level. Another guy that's actually very similar to both those guys I just said, Lee and Jefferson, Darius Leonard, a guy that has, you know, all world production, looks like he's very, very fast on film, a guy that, you know, was passed over and had to go a smaller school route, but Listen, this is a player that just has speed and I think will begin to co- he'll begin to cover very well the more he gets acclimated to an NFL defense. So when you want to look at linebackers that had really good production but played at a lower level but will test very well, I think Darius Leonard's a name that's going to start to rise even more than it already has. Yeah, it, he's someone I'm really interested to see in person. Uh, so my DBs, I went Holton Hill at corner, Jesse Bates at safety. Holton Hill, loved him at Texas, but the dude got kicked out of school. Uh, number one, he's got to pass the drug test. Number two, He's got to nail those interviews. And then Jesse Bates from Wake Forest. I really like him as a free safety prospect. I'm just, I'm really interested to see how well he moves out there. You know, watching him flip his hips, want to see how well he runs. But his tape is one that I really liked. Yeah, by DBs, I went with Mike Hughes and Ronnie Harrison. I I think, you know, it's kind of interesting. I like that you said Holton Hill and I said Mike Hughes. Listen, those are guys that have to show up to the combine and show, their tape's great, okay? Both players, absolutely great tape. But they have to answer for some trouble in the past. It's as simple as that. And I think when you look at Hughes, he's a player that will test off the charts, has excellent tape, excellent ball skills, and can return punts and kicks. He's a player that can be selected in the top 15 if everything goes right. But you have to be comfortable with taking that player in the top 15. With Ronnie Harrison at safety, you look at him and you go, that's how I would build a safety. A freakish-looking athlete, a guy that should test well, a guy that's played for Alabama for you know, since he got there, essentially, and a guy that makes plays. And listen, Minka Fitzpatrick gets all the love there. I totally understand that. But Ronnie Harrison might be a first-round player as well. Now joining Stick to Football, very happy to have former Miami running back Mark Walton now training for the NFL Draft. Mark, thanks for giving us some time, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You yourself? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. So I have to ask you right off the top. The U is back. It was a super fun year. It's actually been a fun couple of years. You were a Miami local. What was it like being a big factor in rebuilding such a historic program? I mean, that was part of the reason I wanted to come down to my, to my own hometown team, University of Miami. One of my favorite teams out there, you know, college collegiate level. You know, I wanted to bring back that, that university, you know, from, from the previous years where it was at before. But that was a huge part of my decision. And you know, actually been a part of a team that, with changing the culture of the University of Miami, getting back to where our standards was at, you know that, that was a huge thing for me. You know that was something I had set for myself and envisioned before I even went there. So 
you know, I was proud of, of the things as a team we did as a, a group. And um, I can't even expect more from them guys next year. Yeah, it was really cool, especially with you coming out of Booker T and, and choosing to stay local. Um, was it more of you growing up as a, as a Canes fan that cho- made you choose to go there, or was it really just a factor of it was nice to stay home and play football? I mean, it was two reasons. You know, I, was, I was a Canes fan, and my family was here. So, you know, while leave a place where you got, where you always love that, you know, you, you are, I, I'm, I'm already loving the University of Miami. I'm from Miami, where all my family was at. So, just to stay home with my family, support me. You know, it was a huge decision on my part. So, you know, it, it all worked out in the end for me. No doubt. That makes a ton of sense. So you're obviously getting ready for the NFL draft now. It's good. It sounds like I saw you post you're healthy, which is great news. What's an average day looking like for you right now as you train for the combine and just get ready to hear your name called? I mean, just just working out and waking up in the morning, go to the first workout, you know, train with Tony every day. And we, we do running in the morning and come back in the afternoon and do uh, lifting. So, you know, just, just Taking care of your, you just got to fruit your body, take care. Well, you know, we just, that's what I learned that these past few weeks. More taking care, take, taking care of my body. You know, I, I I haven't taken a lot of hits, you know, in a while. So, but just trying to get back in that stage and, and, and get get my mind back prepared. Uh, you know, to, to play to play the game of football again. I've been out for a while, but I think my mindset is, is the same. I'm back. You know, my my body's still at all times amazing. You know, so I'm just waiting on that waiting on that day to take my own, hear my name called, and you know, it'll be amazing. Amazing day for me and my family. No doubt. Are you uh, are you training with any other prospects? I'm training with uh, you know Ray Ray. Um, so that's that's just one of the guys I I I key in with me and him. We got a great relationship. So he and my group. So uh, you know me and him push each other every day. That's that's one of the guys I can, I can name. But it, it's most of the guys I train I train with. Connor Williams. Um, we got uh, it's, it's a lot of guys you know, but they're not in my group. It's just me and Ray Ray, just a one-on-one. You know, we work together. So I, I can say more about him, you know. But we push each other every day. That's awesome. Uh, any any early predictions on that 40 time, or are we going to have to wait and see in a couple weeks? I'm, I'm more of a quiet guy. I don't like to, <laughs> like to brag about what I got. Nah, hey, next week, next week is going to prove itself. That's going to be awesome. I'll be out there. It's going to be exciting. So, one thing that is very interesting, you have one of the best stories of adversity in this year's class. You know, obviously losing your father at a young age and your mom last year, and now you're a father yourself. What's that mean to you? I know you've been very vocal about it, but what's it mean to you to go out and play football as a father now of a young a young daughter? I mean, it means a lot, you know. Just like, like I told everybody, the time I was out with football with my injury, that gave, me a, that gave me the opportunity to become a better dad, spend more time around my daughter. Because if I'm in that, if I'm in that meeting room, playing in, at the games and at practice every day, now I'm I'm missing out on a lot of things. Seeing my daughter, so I think we got that great bond. Now I, I, I became a great father throughout the time. But you know, parents in the moment and you know, playing for my daughter, playing for my family, like the, the person that I really truly do it for. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I can't I can't even explain the feeling. You know, it was a great feeling. You know, people want to. A lot of people critic that I'm a father, but. At the end of the day, you know, that's, that's my fear of my fight. That's my motivation. Of course, yeah. No, no doubt. And um, and obviously, we were talking earlier, you're a hometown hero. You know, obviously went to Booker T in Miami, stayed in Miami for college. What's it going to be like potentially leaving Florida? I don't wish any of this Northeast snow on you. I'll tell you that much. Are you ready for it? Uh, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Well, wait, I don't, Have you I played don't, in snow? I don't snow? care where I'm <laughs> at. I played in snow, I, I play snow as a freshman. You know, okay. when we played in the bowl game. So. Yep. 
kind of used to it. I'm used to it, but if I leave Florida, I leave Florida. You know, it's a business decision. It's time. It's time for me and my family. You know, we got to move on. And this is a job. It's no longer a play play thing. This is a job for me now. So I'm, I don't mind leaving Florida at all. You know, if that's what it comes down to. It, I'm down. I'm all down for it. And shit. I, I mean, I, I might want to leave Florida myself. You know, I've been been to Miami all my life. So probably change coming. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's always good to change it up a little bit. Um, so one thing we do do on the show is the gauntlet. We ask our guests the fi- same five questions every time. Uh, the first question I have for you, do you have a go-to pregame meal? Go-to pregame meal. <laughs> uh, I say, uh, you know, salad, um, green, you know, salad greens, uh, like green beans. I, want, uh, I take uh, yellow rice, some grilled chicken. Okay, so you keep it kind of light. Ronald Jones was telling us he likes Chick Fil A, <laughs> which is definitely nah, not light. I, I leave like Chick Fil A for post. Yeah, exactly. Celebration meal. Chick Fil A for post game. Yeah, yeah. a victory <laughs> meal. All right, number three. What's one game that none of your friends can beat you at? Whether you're a Madden player, FIFA, or if you played any other sports growing up. I don't play. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I don't play video games that much. So I'm not a video game. But none of my none of my friends can beat me at basketball. I say that. Okay, I was going to ask you. Yeah, if you didn't play football, would it have been basketball? I mean, I'm not a hooper, but you know, I can I can get down I get down competitive, so it's going to come natural. Nice. All right, number four, stranded on a deserted island. Who are you bringing with you? I'm bringing my family. I I I go my last day with my family. Like okay. That. <laughs> and we've had some guys say Rihanna. We've had some guys say their best friends. So it, the answers are all over the place. All right, number five. Nah. Now, now I know you're a dad, but if you if you had an online dating profile, what would be your bio? How would you describe Mark Walton in just one sentence? <laughs> oh man, y'all giving us some crazy questions. Huh? I know it's the last one at least, so <laughs> it's all over. Uh, <laughs> oh, let me see. Cool guy, you know, very quiet, you know, just humble. Mark, thanks so much for the time, man. Wishing you the best of luck. Uh, kind of secretly hoping you end up in New York out here. It would be a lot of fun. So good luck at the Combine, man, and best of luck going forward with the draft. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. No doubt. All right, now it's time to get into your guys' questions of the week that you submitted. You can send them on Twitter to at Football. You can send them on Instagram at Football. And you can leave them in a review on iTunes, which we absolutely appreciate. I think we went over 200 written reviews this week. So we... We really appreciate you guys. Uh, Scott Collins, you're up first, buddy. At Scott Collins Jr. Say the Browns take a quarterback at one, make a Fitzpatrick at four. Who could be there at 33 and 35 that would best fit a need for them? Ooh, I, man. I, <clears throat> I'll hop in. I think at 33, you could get a guy we were just talking about, like Cortland Sutton, and give you some size at wide receiver. And then at 35... You could get someone like Sonny Michelle. You might even be able to get Darius Geis at 35. That's a, I was going to say take Geis at 33 and Isaiah Oliver at 35. But Yeah, that works well, too. Yeah. I do have fear that Oliver is going to cement first-round status after this weekend coming up. So we'll see. But, but your guy Mike Hughes might be there. Yeah, that's another one. I mean, there's good corners in this class that you can get. And I do think Cleveland's going to back up the uh, the Brinks truck, as we like to say, for Jermaine Johnson. But I would still draft another corner. Yeah, I would. I would as well, especially with the depth in this class. That's a great question, though. And I, I would be happy with Darnold at one and Fitzpatrick at four if I were a Browns fan. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice haul. Alex Jimenez at uh, Pop J 88. 
Of all the teams picking in the top five, which would you bet on having the best chance to be a contender next year? So that's the Browns, the Giants, the Colts, and then the Broncos. Oh, God. I'm going to pick the Colts. <laughs> Love your answer. That's not great, <laughs> but I'll take the Colts. If Andrew Luck is healthy, I like what they've done there uh, with the coaching staff, with the front office. I think they'll draft well this year. Um, I, it's not something I would want to put a lot of money on, but I'll, I'll pick the Colts out of that group. I was going to say, I don't like this at all. I was going to take the Colts as well. I could try to make the argument for the Giants if they traded the second overall pick to Buffalo and got 21, 22, and an extra two at the minimum, I can make the argument that that's enough for the Giants to re- start the rebuild of this thing and actually, listen, the problem is their division's too good. So I- I'm with you. It's only the Colts. Yeah. They all suck. Uh, all right, the next one from one of our best listeners, <laughs> Anthony Ant underscore the Oreo. What draft day trade would you most like to see? I accidentally just answered that one with the Bills and Giants. <laughs> Matt, what would be yours? Uh, mine is that the Jets sign Kirk Cousins and trade out of six and let the let a team like Arizona come up for 15. I, I think that's the one that not only do I want to see, but it makes the most sense. If I if I can live in a dream world, I want the Niners to move up to the three and draft Saquon Barkley, but I don't think that one's going to happen. Now, would that would that be Arizona taking Josh Allen at six? Yeah, I, I think so. That I mean, makes the most that, sense. That one makes the most sense. But it's it's so hard right now because free agency hasn't started. Like, ask us in a week. It's gonna so much is gonna change so soon. So my notebook when we leave Indy will be just full of rumors. You know, nuggets like a, on top of yeah, the nuggets. So next week's show will be next week's show will be kick ass because we're just gonna we might just have to do like an hour of here's what we're hearing and not you know have like a mock draft or big board or anything. Just do an hour of rumors. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. This next one from Jake Rumshick at Jake Rummy. How many running backs do you see being drafted in round one this year? I only have one that I feel yeah. great about, and that's Saquon Barkley. I, I think the others you could poke holes in, like Ronald Jones. Uh, it, I think you could worry about his second-level vision a little bit, what he does as a receiver a little bit. Sonny Michelle, like I know, I, and I may have fucking started this the oh he's a poor man's Alvin Kamara but that doesn't mean he's Alvin Kamara it's like he's a he's a, a little slower not great as a route runner version and with with guys I just I've just heard some things with guys after the injury and then there's even a you know not that he's a bad kid I think there's just some off-field associations that that could hurt his stock a little bit so I, I just have one how about you yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of the same way. I only see Saquon Barkley going in the first round. I, I do agree that Ronald Jones could find his way in there. I thought the hype got a little insane with Sony Michelle going in the first round, and I love Sony Michelle. It, you know, if all things go right, he could be one of the better backs in this class. But when you look at uh, when you look at these guys, they're round one talents to me. I think Geis, Michelle, Ronald Jones, along with Barkley, but I do think. Barkley's the only guy that actually goes in the first round because the position is just so undervalued. Yeah, it really is. Unless I can, you know, put Dimitri Flowers in there, then I would do yeah. that. Round one. Uh, Matt, Matt Valdivinos at MV Scouting wants us to debate Roquan Smith versus Tremaine Edmonds. That's I don't not know even if it's a, a debate. That's not a question. That's a demand. It's just like saying you, you and me fight right now. Yeah. You know, this is a true story for people listening. If someone sends me like that on Twitter, I wouldn't answer it. No. I, I just feel like like be polite, like ask. You know, like, no, it's the it's the talk about in post games when a reporter yeah. goes, "Hey, talk about," and it's like, what if I don't fucking want to? Like, it's no. like my kid like yells at me to do something. Like, man, if you just ask nicely, I'll do it. Yeah, 
Uh, here's what I do. will say. <laughs> I think Roquan Smith is a way better football player than Tremaine Edmonds right now. And, and I'll die on that hill. I'll die on that hill. That's my debate. He's a, he is a better football player. Tremaine Edmonds is a better athlete. And I think that's where, that's why you hear about them mentioned a lot to the Niners and Raiders at nine ten. is just because they are both, they're, they're very different prospects, even though they're, you know, two guys to get linked together a lot. Roquan is better. His film and stats were the best linebacker of anyone in college football last year. He's just, you know, he's a little undersized and that, that could hurt him in some ways. Tremaine Edmonds is six, five, two fifty, and he's a child. He's 19. And, and so people see the raw potential. I think that's why in this fucking either or society we live in, where you can't just like, like a couple things about two different guys. I, I hate that you have to pick one when they both do some things really well. And you said it so best. They're different players. So that's, I mean, yeah. it's a good, it's an interesting debate, but it's, it's just not really one for me right now. This next one from Griffin Schneider at Schneider history. Who do you think are the top three guys who hurt their stock at the senior bowl, but will bounce back at the combine? Well, you mentioned one in Desmond Harrison. I, I think just by not being there, he, he hurt his stock. So he's got a chance to bounce back at the combine. Um, gosh, I'm, it's hard for me to do like guys who hurt their stock. I always feel like I come away with guys who improved their stock and instead of hurt it. Um, I'm just weird about that though. I don't have anyone that comes to mind. Do you? I'm trying to, I mean, I thought people were disappointed with Marcus Davenport, but the expectations just became too high. I think that's kind of the problem. I don't, I don't think he improves at the combine. I think he just is what he is. I think he's always kind of been, He's a guy that I had said I'd heard he can go into the top 15, and I think he's a guy that really ha- is sitting there with a round two grade. It's as simple as that. So uh, it's interesting when you look at improve it at the combine. Man, not really. I think it, what we saw is what we got with those yeah. guys. You know, not to not to just drag this one out, but it's yeah. I don't no, think so. it's so true. And and I think I feel like this year more than years before. At least I I feel like I have a pretty good read on this class because I I'm not doing as much NFL stuff, so I'm able to concentrate more. So. There wasn't really anyone that I expected to be great at the at the senior bowl that wasn't. Like I thought Marcel Aitman would have been a little better. Yeah, same. It wasn't like he was bad necessarily. I just I expected to like him more than I did. So I, I didn't walk away with that moment of like, oh shit, I thought you guys told me this guy was good. Uh maybe Brian O'Neill is the only one that I I liked his tape. But then when he got down in some of those one-on-one situations, he just didn't look as good. So he might, I guess he could be a dude that could bounce back a little bit. All right. Our buddy Gershmit wants to know who are some first or second year players in the NFL. You could see moving. You can see teams moving on from already. Uh, John Ross is definitely Ooh. one. Yikes. Corey Coleman is another. Um, they're guys just who I'm not saying the Bengals are going to trade John Ross. I just don't know that they Christian you know, Hackenberg. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Um, yeah, D- Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, they're they're talking about signing free agents and drafting quarterbacks. It's yeah, pretty obvious I, I, they're out I think on him. I would wouldn't be surprised if Kaiser got moved for a fourth round pick, fourth or fifth round kind of pick. Yeah, would you do that if you were like if you were um, New England? Would you yes. trade? Yes, I would. I would, because, I would too. Because Kaiser is all it's all mental, and New England is shown to like. My question about guys like Garoppolo and and Jacoby Brissett when they were coming out was like, man, how fast are these guys going to adapt to the NFL game? Because when you watch them in college, you love the traits. I mean, you love the traits on both of those players. You just didn't know if they could be developed and they fell into a perfect scenario. And I mean, I even will die on the hill that Brissett is developed into past our original expectations. So yeah, yeah. I I agree. 
Yeah, no, I would if I'm yeah, if I'm New England, I would do it. I the Ravens should, but they, they won't trade within the division most likely. So that one's out. But there are a couple spots where I would really like Kaiser as a, a developmental type quarterback. If the Eagles okay. traded Foles. Oh, no. yeah. Which I think they like they like Nate Sudfeld quite a bit there, I think. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah, that one makes sense as well. Okay, what drills mean the most to you at the combine? I know some aren't good indicators, but what drills are? And uh, Kennedy did not. Maybe Kennedy's asking this question because there's not a name. There's on that not one. a name in there. It, for, for me, it's the three cone. Mine I too. Mean, I was going to say it. It's yep. the one. That's the one that, and we don't, nobody really talks about it until the numbers are just like posted. And you're like, oh, look at his three cone. But like, it's funny how we all anxiously sit and watch the 40 or guys bench press. But when it comes down to it, what you do on a football field relates so much to the three cone. Yeah. I wrote about that. I have an article coming out Wednesday morning and it's basically like, fuck the 40 because it, it's, it's exciting and it's made for TV and rich Eisen can run it in a suit and they can simulcast it. I want to watch the three cone. Like that's the shit I actually care about because it's it matters. Burst, burst, balance, flexibility, timing. Like that's being an athlete running in a straight line for 40 yards is impressive. I don't know if I could currently do it. So it's like, it's cool. You guys are fast, but it's, it doesn't correlate all that well. It's a it's a historical comparison test and not a measure of athleticism. So for me, it is absolutely the three cone. It's it's my favorite drill that, that we do at the combine or that they do because I'm not doing I'm not doing anything but but talking and drinking beer the whole week. So that's my well, combine plan. Guess what? That's all you have to do. So it's perfect. So one more reminder: if people want to come talk to us and drink beer with us, they can do it. Six thirty. On March 3rd at Two Deep Brewing Co., which is right in downtown Indy. So if you're there for the combine, good news, number one, the weather is actually supposed to be decent this year, which will be the first time ever for me in Indianapolis with good weather. Uh, and then number two, it's walkable. The, the whole downtown is walkable. So you can come see us, have two free beers, have a chance to win a koozie, a sticker, a backpack, a hat, and anything else that Connor and I might come across. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward be- to it. Maybe some New York City random things I could find. Uh, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always good to to meet everyone, too. I think in the Senior Bowl, we had such a good time after the show. It's just drinking beer and talking to everyone. That was awesome. So it'll be a good time. We will be giving away tons of stuff. If you haven't heard, Matt's just been rolling up $100 in koozies and tossing them out left and right like it's candy off a parade truck. So uh, yeah. you, you never know. We'll see. It depends how drunk making that, that gets, but making that big baller money. You're That's absolutely right. right. It does depend on how much I drink. Yeah, I'm no uh, more a hundred dollar koozies. There might be some $20 koozies floating yeah. around in Indianapolis. Though. You should start doing random ones where you put like a dollar or like $50 in, uh, <laughs> right? and always People, rolled up in one. So they never know. Yeah. People were asking for autographs, and it's like, I know, I love that. Signed, or I was watching Mellow autograph koozies last week, and it was the funniest thing ever. He was That's like, I've never, I've never had to autograph anything before. He didn't even know what to do. Isn't so it kind of you- funny, too, that the <laughs> our, like the podcast hosts, we sign koozies, apparently? Like, while real athletes sign like baseballs, footballs, jerseys, it's like, <laughs> yeah, here's something you drink beer out of. <laughs> We, we have established our brand, and that is absolutely it. So definitely come hang out with us if you're in the indie area. It'll be a lot of fun. We we really look forward to meeting you guys and hanging out with you because uh, we know that this show, it actually would not exist if you guys didn't listen to it and if you didn't interact with us. So we, we hope to have a lot of fun Saturday night. We'll see you there, and stay tuned because we are going to have a couple extra shows this week. We'll have uh, the normal Friday morning show, then we'll have one come out Monday morning. Uh, that'll be what you hear from us at Two Deep in Indianapolis. So for Connor, I'm Matt. Thanks for hanging out with us.